everyone, and welcome to... Video Nerds. I'm the Man Nerd. And I'm Skystar, and uh, yeah, we got we got a good one today. It's gonna be fun. Now, we're going, we're going back in time now. We're going into the 80s. We're going into 1987 here. Joel Schumacher film called... The Lost Boys. The Lost Boys. So, this is kind of exciting because it's one of my favorite all-time movies. I know we're doing movies we love right now. We'll get into ones we don't like eventually, but Skystar has never seen this. So, he had to see it. Yeah, this was my first time watching it, and I'm so glad I did. It's so 80s, so cheesy, but so good in ways. It's it's just one of those things. So let's just go straight into Skystar's no spoilers movie review. Basically what you would get out of the trailer, but his honest opinion about the movie. Oh. Because he just saw it once, man. Yeah, it's, it's everything you could want out of classic 80s, 90s, just level film it's it's got that it's fun it's campy it's it's got uh it's got a fun little story without ever taking itself too seriously oh it's 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 wonderful yeah i don't i don't know what i can say without spoiling it other than that it's uh, yeah it's two brothers and their fight against like a vampire horde in santa cruz California, because we all know oh, Santa Carla. Oh, excuse me, Santa yep. Carla, California. Santa Carla, because yeah. they couldn't say Santa Cruz. That's right, Santa Carla, California. It's is completely like the entire plot is ridiculous, but that's that's part of what makes it great. That's part of what made that entire genre of movies great. Yeah, and what I like about this movie is it's it's not like the last one we reviewed where there's so much involved with with that, so much with the characters, so much with the story. This one's just all about story. You get characters, you don't get too much development because you don't need it. You just have to like them. You like them or you hate them. That's just how they do it. And, and I love that aspect of it, just the simplicity of that. Yeah, there, there's almost no character development. You don't you don't need character development in a story like this. Now, just basically a monster movie. I, I, I like how it's it starts out, you know, with going over the boardwalk and then coming in and then you see the vampires for the first time not a spoiler because it's literally in the trailer so Kiefer Sutherland's one of the main ones there in the yeah. group and I, I love how they have an altercation and then right away you know oh they're vampires they're bad this is a monster movie this is this is what it is it's happening you don't have to slow burn into it like what's happening oh it's this it's like nope this is it I, I like how it just starts out yeah. with a bang like that. I did, I did notice that. It just it just jumps right into what it's going to do. Like it doesn't it doesn't take its time at all. It's like, no, this is what we are. This is what we're doing, and we're just we're just gonna move along with that. Oh yeah. For me, as a fan of this movie, I give it a solid D twenty. But if it was my first time watching it, just based on the fact that it's dated and, you know, if, if I wasn't into horror movies already, I, I probably would have given it more like a D12, but only because of the dated aspect of it. I'm sure for some people it can be harder to watch, but we'll go into all the little things that we love about it that make it so good and then change your mind if you thought that you didn't like it as much as I do. <laughs> I would probably, just off the top of my head, again, I've only seen it once, I'm sure my opinion might change after watching it again, but I'd, I'd say a solid D12. It's a good movie. 
I think it could have, like, there's obviously a lot more I think they could have done and played around with. But uh, overall, it, it was a fun, enjoyable watch. Oh, yeah. Now, let's get into the spoiler section of this. Let's uh, let's dive a little bit deep. So one thing I want to point out right off the bat, that opening scene on the carousel. Uh, I I loved how that looked. Just it was a little bit foggy and then it, it and then you see them come through walking through one little Easter egg there. The order that you see the vampires rock through is the order of their death in reverse. You see David first and then bam, 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 bam. That's how they die in at the end of the movie. I thought that was kind oh, of fun how they no, did that. You're right. I I didn't notice that, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah, that was just a little little fun thing that they throw in there. Let's get into the characters. Like, of course, there's Alex Winter and Kiefer Sutherland. Those are the two main ones that we know just from watching movies. You know, everybody watched Bill and Ted. So Bill S. Preston Esquire is one of the vampires, and that's Alex Winter. He did a pretty good job. He didn't really have a talking role per se. He said a few things, but I think uh, I think he portrayed a vampire pretty good, a teenage vampire in the 80s. Who was your favorite out of the vampires instead of David Kiefer Sutherland? Who, who was your favorite? Oh. Because of course, David is yeah. he was amazing. Well, There's I, a reason he was the best. I liked him mostly because I, I recognized him uh, from other things I had seen him for. So he's the one I immediately thought of. I'd, I'd have to say, I think his name was Matt the Big Vampire, the, the important one. Because he was so... The head vampire? Yeah, Max. Max. Yeah, yeah. Max. Yep. Um, because he's so different from the others. Like you have, you have like... The, so much different. The, I, guess, I guess they would actually be the Lost Boys because, you know, they're all missing. And you see like their faces on milk cartons and stuff throughout the movie. And they're they're your typical like uh, murdery gang of biker boys that are just like cause problems all the time. And then you have Max, who honestly, for most of the movie, I I didn't think of him as a vampire. Like they did a pretty decent job of like covering the tracks that he's the head vampire in the movie. They did so well, and especially with that this the dinner scene where they're testing him. Right. I thought that was brilliant how they explained that at the end. I was like, that's great. They they had they they played well with the lore and like I never called it. And um, like he plays his character so well, like even even the character plays the character really well. And so you're just like, no, nah, this is just some nerdy guy who owns a video shop. He's don't worry about him. He's fine. Maybe maybe a little creepy, but not a real threat there. And then at the end of the movie, you're like, oh, no, he's he's the actual head vampire. Shit. OK. <laughs> yep. And then they're like, we tested you. We we did holy water and garlic and uh, you didn't glow in the dark and you had a reflection. That's because he was invited into the house. Yep. I thought that was a cool twist on the lore there. Like all you're you're rendered powerless if you invite a vampire into your house. Yeah, that was that was honestly the first nod because like he does wait until he's specifically invited it. He does. And he kind of plays it like, I know I'm dating your mom and you don't like me. Yeah. Well, you're the man of the house, so I'm not coming until you invite me. Because I'm going to be honest, like I noticed it and in any other movie, I would have called him on that. But for some reason, my brain yep. was like, this is a 90s movie. What he's saying makes perfect sense for the era. So I'm just going to let this one pass. 
And they did such a good job building that up to make you believe that. Right. Just the way he interacted with with their mom and then just them the first time meeting them. That was fantastic the way they, they did that. It was it was very well done. So let's move on to the main characters. Two main characters, of course, is going to be Sam and Michael, the two kids that moved in with their grandpa with their mom in Santa Carla. And little uh, little fact here, they had to call it Santa Carla in order to film in Santa Cruz because Santa Cruz is considered a family friendly place and they didn't want a horror movie being you know, associated with Santa Cruz. So they just made it a different name, a place that doesn't exist, but it's actually Santa Cruz, California, like Skystar said. Yeah. So main characters, Michael, Michael and Sam. Fun 80s slash 90s characters, because the movie's right there in 87. So it's it's kind of between those two eras. And they're they're good characters. They're they're just a joy to watch. Yeah, so you've got the main character, Michael, the big brother, who's kind of the the rebel trying to find his way. And then you've got the dorky kid, Sam, the, the comic book nerd. Yeah. I love I love Corey Haim. Like, he was awesome in the 80s and 90s. He, he played really good, goofy characters. I don't think he could really be too serious, but oh, at his, times I guess he could. He could, but most of his characters were pretty goofy. And, like... They, they gave him one of the goofiest setups I've ever seen for a nerd character, even in this era, where they have him like go into the comic book shop and then just rearrange the comic books because he's so he knows so well what's in each one. He's like, you can't put this over here. And just he starts shifting them around because like you can't do that. Yeah. And that brings us to the introduction of the Frog Brothers. What did you think of them when you first saw them? And of course, one of the famous ones in that is Corey Feldman. Yeah. Oh. We had Edgar and Alan Frog. Uh, How was your reaction the first time you saw them? I was too busy laughing to have any more of a reaction. Like, they're hilarious. Everything about them is so over the top. Oh, yeah. And one thing that I came across, little another fun fact. I've got a lot of fun facts on this movie, by the way, that Joel Schumacher got Corey Feldman and told him, hey, watch all the Sylvester Stallone and Chuck Norris movies you can and mix it together in a character. And I think he did such a good job at being a kid that's acting like an action guy. And he's not really. He did such a good job at just being so awkward, but acting tough. And that's why he did the bandana like Rambo. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're they're so over top. When they give Sam the comic book on vampires, just like, read this, it'll tell you everything you need to know. That gives you a little bit there. I don't like horror comics. And then he's scared of the dark. So you've got these two guys that are supposedly vampire hunters. And they're these kids, these teenage kids. And then you've got the scared boy, Sam, who ends up finding out his brother becomes a vampire. So another spoiler there. I kind of liked how we had the nerdy, scared kid, but it made it like the movie was, it was serious and dark, but not at the same time. It was, like you said, campy and goofy, It was but serious it, and dark. It, it was, like, it had those serious and dark elements, but, like, what killed it for me is when Sam finds out his brother's a vampire, his first reaction is, I'm going to tell mom. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry. Your brother's a vampire, and your reaction is you're going to tell on him to your Wait mother. Wait till mom like, finds out. 
<laughs> I liked right before that. That was, oh, that was a, such a great moment. Right before that, when his brother's kind of in a bloodlust and then goes into the bathroom while he's taking a shower, he's under the water, and then his dog, Nanook, senses that he's in danger and attacks yeah. Michael. They go down the stairs, and then Sam finds out that Nanook attacked Michael. And he's like, what'd you do to my dog? He's like, he bit me. Well, what'd you do to him? <laughs> I like that, how he likes the dog even more than his brother. Well, I mean, that's... Like, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> that. That's a pretty realistic relationship. I like my dogs more than my brothers, so... like. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> I never had brothers. I just had a big sister that beat me up. Oh, I had, I had two older brothers that would do that, so... Yeah, we all have those stories. <laughs> well, if we have siblings. So, back to the storyline. What was your favorite part of this storyline? Oh, that's... It's... I, I like the setup that the, um... Like, he becomes a vamp... Michael becomes a vampire because they set him up. Like, they... it The whole thing's a setup. And it's like a, a Russian nesting doll of a setup. And it's actually really well done because they, they hide everything so well that until the reveal, you don't see a lot of it. And, um, I, I enjoy that. I like being stumped. I don't like to be able to just, you know, call what's going on, you know, a quarter of the way through the movie. And they did a really good job at the slow burn on that. And part of that was their choice, like kind of like they did a Jaws thing where in Jaws, you don't really see Jaws until the end yeah. for a very short amount of time. So it's all from Jaws's perspective. And they did that when the vampires are flying, like in the beginning and several times after that, where you just kind of see the camera flying around like, you're seeing from the monster's eyes and then it cuts and then it pulls people way up into the sky and you just have to use your imagination yep and that that was the slow burn part until that reveal you were talking about yeah so you don't you don't see a lot of the reveal until the movie actually wants you to see it and i love that i i hate when movies give away their big you know third act reveal like in the first act that's just annoying yeah that can be too quick unless they have something else that completely trumps it yeah you're not expecting so uh, one little thing that you'll see if you watch the movie again now this is going back to the basically uh why they turned michael into a vampire so like you said they're tricking him into it but i didn't notice this until i just watched it we've got michael he likes star and he's you know kind of following her the first night of course she notices because you see her notice yeah and then the second night he gets a leather jacket and then he's looking at getting his ear pierced and then she walks up to him and starts talking and her her demeanor is different than she is the rest of the movie it's it's kind of comical it's like she's faking it it's like she's acting tough and weird and like it threw me off and then she's walking with him and she's about to go alone with him to go get food. And for me, that is a foreshadowing of what she said later. She said, you were supposed to be my first kill. But David and the other guys come up and then they say, Star, what are you doing? She's like, I'm going for a ride. Kind of like, yeah, he's going to be my one. And then David stops her because he was told by Max to turn Michael. I never noticed that before. Yeah, I didn't. Looking back on it, you're right. It did seem odd 
the way David stopped her because the way the scene played out and especially if you're familiar with other movies from that area, the expectation is David's going to pull the jealous boyfriend bit. Like he's he's going to have like a whole thing where he's going to be like, no, you can't go with him. And then he's going to like start like this street fight with Michael. That's the expectation. That's what you it kind of feels like it's going to happen. And then it just doesn't and it throws you a bit and then you know they they do torment him some like they play jokes and pranks and mess with his senses and make him do dangerous stuff but all the while as it goes further along you increasingly get this sense that there's something else going on they don't intend they're not actually out to hurt him they're doing something else and it's played changing him yeah it's played really well because by the time you get to this scene where he's hanging from some train tracks, it's very clear they want him on board. They're trying to recruit him. It's like a cult and it's it's played really well. Kiefer Sutherland does a really good job as David in that scene, that, that whole thing. Oh, such a great job. The way that they jump off the train tracks one by one and he's like what the hell are they doing they're just jumping off a bridge and then you see that they're hanging yep right underneath the bridge right until the uh, train comes oh man i'd never expected that scene i don't think i've actually seen that in any other movie where somebody hangs from a bridge while a train's going over and just tries to hang on that was just that was different way different it was different and it was it was good it 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 worked really well with the with the scene and the long game of the movie that they were playing out now one thing that i like that you only saw a little bit of like when you said they were tormenting him down in their cave the old resort that fell into the uh earthquake fault so they're offering him food and they say hey eat some rice and they get him to eat some rice maggots you're eating maggots he looks down he sees maggots freaks out and then he looks down again it's just rice and then they do the same thing with noodles say worms i like how they only did that a little bit where they have illusion powers and in the lore of vampires they can hypnotize people they can do stuff like that i, I like that just little tiny effect you don't see it again but you see it that one time yeah, it's, it's a small thing and it's it's well done. They don't a lot of movies overplay stuff like that. They either overuse it or they underuse it. But that movie, that movie used it where it would have the most effect and then left it alone rather than like having it become this big thing. And I liked that. Now, you know, towards the end, you find out, you know, from the Frog Brothers and vampire lore that if you take out the head vampire, Vampires that haven't fed yet, half vampires will revert back to human. So that gives you hope for the main characters, Michael, and then Star and Laddie, which you don't really feel too, I didn't feel too in, involved with, like uh, emotionally. I yeah. I really felt for Michael more, but uh, since he liked Star and Laddie, I was like, okay, I, I, I get behind that. That was part of the not, you know, character, growth that we didn't see because you don't need it in this kind of movie they just kind right. of fake it to make it work right and uh yeah i i do wish they they had done even just a little bit more to make me emotionally invested in laddie in particular because like you i was i was only invested because of michael yeah and one of the things about that is laddie doesn't really talk you see him walking around he doesn't really talk you see that he's screaming with them when at the 
end where the vampires are coming to attack them and Sam and Mike are out there trying to get the dog Nanook back into the house. Yep. And everybody's screaming and Laddie's one of the ones screaming, but that's like the only time that you actually, and you can't even hear him. You just assume he's making noise. You don't even know if that kid can talk. I think that was part of the weird aspect of it. Yeah. I liked I liked how they uh, they set up that vamp- each every vampire dies a different way, and then they actually showed that like all the vamp none of the vampires died the same way. Oh yeah, that was great. Yeah, Corey Feldman's speech: No two vampires die the same way. They go out peacefully. They explode. They implode. Blah blah blah. Yeah, I I thought that was cool how they how they actually stuck to that. Death by stereo. That was such a great scene. Him shooting the, Sam shooting the arrow at one of the vampires going through his heart. And then him going back into the stereo and just blasting rock music him getting electrocuted and then exploding. All that's left is bits and a torso. That was pretty brutal. Right. Now let's, let's talk about the, oh man, I lost it. The best scene of the movie. What was your best scene visually? For me, I'd have to say visually the best scene is the train track scene. That was pretty good. That was that was that was a just the best moment of the movie for me entirely because a lot of the story kind of came together on that moment. I realize it's it's a bit early in the movie, but it was still really well done. It was fun to watch. It it had its own little reveals. It's it set up uh, new stuff that was coming up in the movie. It was just the perfect moment in the movie where a lot of things came together. And that's where, you know, he finally he's becoming one of them. Yep. That him falling down into the fog. He is a vampire now. So, yeah, that that was a good transition. Now, for me, the best scene was the reveal, the vampire reveal, where they take Michael over to this bonfire party that some guys are having, and they kind of post up in the tree, so you can see everybody in the tree, and then you can see all the all the people around the, ban- the bonfire partying, and then from there, it just gets like the most gruesome that I've seen in that movie. There was some, some scenes after that at the end, with the vampires dying, that was pretty gruesome, but like just that one part where the vampire is is biting the guy's scalp yeah is just his head that was brutal and then tearing his flesh off it was like holy crap that was you didn't expect that from this movie at that point that's also part of what i enjoyed because like that brutality that gruesomeness like a lot of these kinds of movies they just throw that blood and gore and gruesomeness in there just like with a with a pretty heavy hand just wherever they can and it doesn't really serve any purpose to the story other than just to be there but like almost all of that blood and gore in this actually does serve the story like even this moment which is probably one of the biggest ones like they're trying to push michael into taking that first bite you get to see who they really are like they said you know who what we are and what you are and it just all bled up to that. Oh, that was such a great moment. It really was, it was very well done. What was your, the weirdest part of the movie that you thought? It could be a character, it could be a scene, it could just be part of the story. Honestly, it's the mom. Yeah, she was kind of, kind of awkward. Like, I like Diane West on the whole, but like, like her character was so awkward. Like there's so many, so many choices her character made that I'm like, no, no reasonable person would do this. 
she portrayed a good mom, but it was very, very weird in contrast to the other characters, especially the grandpa, her dad. Yeah. He was such a gem. Yeah, some of the choices she made as a character were like, were clearly there only to serve getting the character out of the way so the boys could go do something. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. So we can have more scenes where they're home alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like the, the grandpa, him going to on dates with the widow Johnson, that just worked so well for him because he is weird as hell and he trolls the hell out of them the whole time. And then at the end, you realize he knows exactly what's going on and has known the whole time. Right? I loved that setup because he just goes over to the fridge, grabs a beer, and just like, I hate, I hate that this city has so many dang vampires. And it's like, I'm sorry, what? You, you knew? The whole time? That was the perfect time. Perfect time to end it. And you can kind of tell when Max comes over, like he's kind of peeking through his little workshop there, his little room. Yeah. At Max, like before and after. And you could just, he just knows something. And he's probably like, ah, oh, crap, I had vampire shit. Part, part of how the vampire gets taken out is because Grandpa drives a truck with like uh, wooden stakes tied to the front through a wall and hits a head vampire. And like that takes planning like that. Oh yeah. And that takes one little setup. thing I liked about that, <laughs> that when he's, when it shows him planting one of those posts, it's like a big fence post. Shows him planting one in the ground at some point when the kids go to take his car and then go to the lair to kill the first vampire. It shows him plant one of those things in there. But there is no reason that the end should be that sharp in like a wooden stake. All the other posts that are up are not like that. Right. So he knew. He yeah. got ready. He, he was preparing well beforehand. Now I'm going to throw out a, a little uh, few other things that I like. One other scene that I really like was when they're coming out of the lair and after killing Bill S. Preston Esquire, the vampire, and David is trying to get Sam and grabbing onto his leg and then they finally pull David's hand over into the sun and it lights fire. Then it does a close-up scene of his eyes. The tear comes down. One cool fact about that is that wasn't supposed to happen. They had glass contacts that made their eyes so dry that that just happened and it worked so well. And if you look again at different scenes with their eyes looking all demonic like that, they're really wet and that's why. It's just so uncomfortable to wear those things. That was a that was a cool little coincidence that happened. Huh. No, that, that makes sense. I didn't notice that, but yeah. Yeah, I, I've looked up facts. I'm just saying. <laughs> Before we go, I do have one other fact, just because it's pretty cool. The original screenplay on this thing was supposed to be based off of Peter Pan lore. So it's supposed to be the Lost Boys, actual boys, like preteens. And they decided not to do that because, you know, they didn't want it to be like a vampire Goonies type of situation. So they changed it up, made them older, made them like, uh, made the vampires more like model types. And actually one of the vampires was a model at the time. Yeah. Uh, so they switched that up. The Frog Brothers were supposed to be like eight-year-old chubby Cub Scouts, which would have changed things totally. And Star wasn't actually even part of it originally. So just thinking about that, that's crazy how it totally would have turned into a vampire Goonies for sure. 
but it, they created their own thing there by just changing that aspect, making everybody older. That, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. All right, so as a first time movie, you liked it. Anything else you like about that movie that we didn't cover or didn't like? <laughs> I think, <laughs> like I said, overall, it's a solid D12. I, it was enjoyable to watch. It was quintessential 80s, 90s era. It did have a few awkward moments, but overall, it's a good movie. Basically, like I said, a D12 for me if I watched it for the first time. So we're going D12 on this movie, people. Personally, I'm a D20 just because I like this cheesy stuff, but it started a genre in my eyes. It even contributed to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the series. Just the way the vampires change. Like, they're human, and then they're not. It, that was total, totally an influence. So it, it was definitely a start of something there that turned into a lot more. So D12 movie, we're moving on. It is time to end this, and we're going to move on to the next movie next time. And, and what are you thinking next time? Something, something new, something old? What are we thinking? I might just hit shuffle and see what comes up. All right, we're going to hit shuffle, people. See you later. Ta-ta for now. Have a great day. Enjoy your movie watching. Go see a movie. Ha <laughs> ha.